Uh, we will be reading uh, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, and you can find these in a pew Bible on page 349 as Pastor Chris continues our summer in the Psalms. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as Pastor Chris brings your message to us this morning, I just pray that our hearts would be uh, challenged. God, that we might submit ourselves to you and your will. Cleanse us, Lord, this morning and throughout the week and throughout our lives. God, we just put our trust in you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we're in our summer in the Psalms, and so many of you took the uh, reading and prayer guide. How are you doing on that? How are you doing? Are we, are, we, are we persevering in that? Are you enjoying that? Reading the Psalms like we're doing this summer in 12 weeks is just a great practice. And we've tried to uh, have the portion that you read each week kind of be the same. And so if you're on track with us, now I have to admit I'm playing catch-up because a week at camp, we were so busy in other parts of the Word of God that I got behind. And so I'm catching up this week. But if you're, if you're on track, you know that this past week we read Psalm 117. Two verses. Two verses. That was a nine, you know, two-verse psalm. And then this week, starting Monday, we are to read Psalm 119, and we will read the whole thing, and it will take five days to do it, so it's portioned out. So today's message is going to get you ready for what you're reading. If you're behind, don't be discouraged, just keep reading it. The point is to be in God's Word and to see how the Psalms speak to us. Man, I see Jesus in the Psalms. So much of the New Testament is fulfilled in Christ through the Psalms. Uh, one man I know is reading through it and saying, man, I see the songs that we sing at church. I see them in the Psalms. Isn't that great? And we should see that. So there's so much there. But for Psalm 119, it's the, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's kind of the middle of the Bible. And uh, it's based on the, the sections of it are based on the alphabet of the Hebrew Bible because, and, and the subject is God's Word. In time, in tough times, God's word. And it has all, there's a whole lesson you could teach about Psalm 119. It was meant to be taught so that when you taught your child the ABCs of the Hebrew language, they would learn to love God's word. But this part, this portion, is based on the Hebrew word Beth. And each verse begins with that, that second alphabet, that second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what I want to uh, ask you this morning is a pretty significant question. How can I stay clean in a dirty world? How can I stay clean in a dirty world? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? I almost entitled this message, Pig Pen Meets Mr. Clean. Because if there is any person uh, who needed to ask the question, how can I stay clean, then it was the Peanuts character, Pigpen. You remember him. 
He had this cloud of dirt wherever he went. Now, some of you moms are like, yes, yes, I, I, it's not a cartoon. I, I raised that. Uh, this cloud of dirt following him everywhere he went. And, could have, and, 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 and Pigpen could certainly have identified with the little boy who was being taught by his mother that cleanliness is next to godliness. And as the mother tried to instill this principle into the little boy, she prompted him by saying, cleanliness is next to... And finally, the little boy chimed in, next to impossible. Next to impossible. Every one of us here this morning can probably identify with that little boy. Have you ever tried to keep a pair of new shoes from getting dirty, and then once they got dirty, try to get them clean again? Uh, you know, and inevitably, you buy a new pair of shoes, and there's always a smart aleck that says, oh, new shoes, and then steps on them, right? And uh, there, there, there's that going on. Ladies, have you ever bought a new blouse or men a new shirt, and it's somehow they didn't tell you at the store that it's magnetized to attract immediately dirt, and it seems that that no sooner do you wear your new shirt than there's nacho cheese or something on it. I have that problem. My daughter has that problem. Uh, worse yet, men, have you ever tried to keep a car clean? You wash your car, and inevitably you have this little, little sprinkle that just puts all these horrible uh, water spots all over your brand new car, and we won't even talk about cleaning the inside. It just seems that cleanliness is downright impossible in the physical world. But what about trying to keep your soul clean? Is that any easier? Well, not according to actor Steve Gutenberg. In the, uh, back when the Kansas City Star was still a newspaper, uh, in the FYI section, Gutenberg described how hard it was to have a clean soul in the movie business. And here's what he said. Your soul is a beautiful, white, pure, fresh, a white sheet that's pure and fresh. You work in the movie business and someone says, hey, this chick, she's totally loaded. Why don't you sleep with her? And so you do. And that's a hole breaking in your soul. Someone tells you a story and asks you not to repeat it, but you go to a party and you tell the story because it makes you seem cool and pop another hole in your soul. You end up with a sheet that flows in the wind. It's not a soul anymore. Well, that's, that's some pretty profound insight. And he's right that every time we sin, we're staining, we're, we're marring, we're putting a hole in our soul. He's wrong in the idea of thinking that we start out with a fresh, pure sheet. We don't. We are born sinners and we become sinners by choice. We're sinners by birth and by choice. We don't have a clean sheet. We just have a sheet with less dirt on it than when we begin to sin. And I am burdened this morning for all of us. I am burdened because it's not just the movie business where it's hard to stay clean. In this day and age, with the internet and the mobile technology that probably every one of you has in your pocket or in your purse, and if you're looking at it right now, hopefully Psalm 119 is on it, it's easier than ever before to get dirty in this world. Every second, 30,000 people are viewing pornography on the Internet. You, the, our country, 
produces 89% of all pornographic websites. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. Over one half of evangelical pastors admit to viewing pornography in the last year. And 42% of internet users view porn. Now, for the sake of illustration, I almost asked that everybody in this auditorium who views porn, or, no, I wasn't going to do that, that, that view, uses the internet to stand up. And I bet you it would be almost all of us. And then if we asked half of you to sit down, 42% of internet users view porn. So that means half of this section are viewing porn. Half of this section that use the internet are viewing porn. Half of this section are viewing porn. How do I stay clean in a dirty world? Is cleanliness downright impossible in a sin-stained, high-tech world we live in? How can I stay clean in a dirty world? Psalm 119, 9 through 16 answers this question for us. Now notice the question begins in verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? Now immediately, some of you are saying, Woo! I'm off the hook. How can a young man? And, 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 and you're saying, what, what's the deal with that? Why does he focus? So the first question I want to look at in this message is this. Why does the psalmist address a young man? And I think there's three reasons. After all, it's not only young men that struggle with lust, amen? It is not just young men. It is also young women, and it is also older men, and it's also older women. So here's the answer. I believe there's three reasons that he highlights a young man. The first is this. A young man is pivotal in, his re in relation to his time of life. He is pivotal in relation to his time of life. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. And the Apostle Paul, who is older, is speaking to Timothy, who is a young man, and here's what he says to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lusts. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's saying, Timothy, you're a young man, and you're in a pivotal time of life, and you have youthful lusts. You are tempted by them, both on the outside and on the inside. Flee! Flee! Run from those. The application to young, women, young men and young women is obvious. This passage has been used for centuries by pastors and parents to deal with the sins of youth. The young person, and particularly young men, have a lust that is easily stimulated by the sensual attraction of the world around us, and it's never been greater temptation with the technology that we have in our pockets and at our fingertips. You know, I remember growing up, it was like, uh, uh, you know, it was like, uh, watch out when you go to 7-Eleven because there's that little section there where the magazines are and you might catch a pornographic picture on a cover. Parents, 
Young people, that 7-Eleven is in your hands now. And it's not a section. It is filled. In fact, it is nearly impossible to avoid. A young person is considered in the Bible, basically, you're in your 30s or younger. Take heed this morning to the Word of God. You are at a pitiful time in your life. Young people, you are at, listen to me, you are at a pivotal time in your life. For many of you, the life-changing decisions of what friends to run with, of who to date, of who to marry, and what career to pursue are all before you. But before you go out into the world and seek to answer all those questions, take time this morning to ask yourself this question, how can I, as a young person, stay clean in this dirty world? And I promise you this, your ability to answer that question will determine more of your success in life than who you marry, where you go to school, and everything else that's so important. Because if you are impure, your judgment will be wrong. If you are impure and dirty, you will seek out those who are dirty to date. If you are unclean and impure, you will hang with people who are unclean and impure. The most important question that you can answer to ensure your success at this pitiful time in your life is how can I stay clean in this dirty world? But wait. Some of you are in your 20s and 30s, and you've already made those decisions. You've already made where you're going to go to school. You already made the decision of who you're going to marry. In fact, you're already having kids and raising them. But you're still young as parents. And you can teach your kids how to keep their ways pure if you know how to keep your own way pure. Because too often we're seduced into thinking, well, this is something my kid needs, and I'm going to make sure they listen, and I'm going to pound on them about purity when in fact your example and your pure life speaks more and shows them more how to stay pure than your words. There's a second reason that young man that the young man is singled out and it's because number 2 he's influential in relation to his leadership potential. Young men are potential leaders. The youth of today are the leaders of tomorrow. Who starts the revolutions? Who are the radicals that stand up to the status quo? It is young men and young women who are right there beside them. Who will be tomorrow's parents, tomorrow's pastors, tomorrow's presidents? It's the millennial generation and younger who are being saturated with the pollution of this world. The only question that remains for the future of our nation is this, whether we will be led by young men and young women who know how to cleanse their way of sin. How much influence does a young person have? Well, train one young man to keep his way pure and you've influenced at least two to three of his friends, and at least five to six of the girls who will date and admire him, the family that he eventually raises, the people he works with under and over, and on and on it goes. Let me give you an illustration from history. In 1677, an immoral man married a licentious woman. Of the 1,900 descendants begun by their union, 771 were criminals, 250 were arrested on various offenses, 60 were thieves, 
39 were convicted of murder. 40 of the women had sexually transmitted diseases. These people spent a combined of 1,300 years behind bars, and they cost taxpayers nearly $3 million. Another family was the Edwards family, which included the famous preacher Jonathan Edwards. Of their 1,344 descendants, many were college presidents, professors, and active in their churches. 186 became ministers of the gospel. 86 were state senators. Three were congressmen. 30 were judges. One was vice president, and none spent time in jail. It's the influence, the pivotal influence of young men. Ultimately, I believe God inspired the author of Psalm 119 to single out a young man because he's typical. He's typical in relation to everyone's life experience. Now, this is important. We can all identify with a young man. Why? Because he has a past, he has a present, and he has a future ahead of him. And let me tell you this this morning. That past, present, and future is typical of everyone here because spiritually, everyone here this morning has a spiritual past, a spiritual present, and a spiritual future. And it doesn't matter what you're... And, and, and basically, it all needs to get cleaned up. How do, you, how do we get cleansed from past guilt? That's a big question. I've already... Blew, you know, you're talking about staying clean. Man, I'm so dirty. I don't think I could ever get clean again. How do I get clean from past guilt? And wow, Chris, you, you, you're, hitting, you're hitting right where I live. The present temptations that I have, I don't know how to handle the internet. I don't know how to break away from porn addiction. And then the future. Is my future doomed to be a sex addict, a porn addict, or a, a person that is always just a little bit dirty? Well, everyone here has that that past, that present, and that future, and needs to ask the question, how can I stay clean in a dirty world? We all need to ask that. Listen to Psalm 25, verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Listen, Psalm 119 and the rest of this message is going to help us answer the question, how do I clean up my past guilt? How do I stay clean from my present sin? And how can I stay clean in the future from temptation? Well, there's only one way, according to Psalm, not only this section, but all of Psalm 119 that you're going to read this week, by letting God cleanse my heart, my way with his word. That leads us to the second question, what needs to be cleansed? And what needs to stay that way? What needs to be cleansed? And the answer is our hearts. It's our hearts. It's, 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 it's not the technology. It's our hearts. It's not, it's not having a computer or having a phone. It's not what's outside of you that makes you dirty. It's what's on the inside. Jesus put it this way in Mark 7.20. He said, what comes out of a person defiles him. For within, out of the human heart, comes evil ideas, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, pride, and folly. 
All these evils come from within and defile a person. You see, there's only two ways to clean up your life, and they're very different. And one works and one doesn't. There's only two ways to clean up your life this morning. The world cleanses the outside by good works. The world tries to clean up the outside. If you've got a dirty shirt, you put on a clean one. If you've got a problem with uh, pornography, then you, then you get rid of the computer. You get rid of the phone. You stop getting on the Internet. And there may be truth in that, but the problem is in here. And here's how God cleanses. He cleanses the inside with God's Word. We try to clean the outside with good works in our own effort, and God says, I want to do some surgical cleansing of your soul. That soul with all those holes in it flapping in the wind that Steve Gutenberg talked about, Jesus says, I want to give you a clean sheet without a speck on it and without any holes in it. But it's going to come through my word. So that leads us to the, the, the final question, which gets right down to it. How can all of us stay clean in a dirty world? How can we cleanse our hearts from the inside with the Word of God? There's three steps. Let's take a look at it this morning. Number one, admit that your heart is dirty. Admit that your heart is dirty. That's the first step. Listen, you can't get clean if you don't think you're dirty. Make sense? It doesn't make sense? The first step in cleansing your heart is to humble yourself and ask the question, not how a young man, but how can I cleanse my life because it's dirty. You're never going to ask the question, how can I cleanse my life, unless you first admit it's dirty. Clean shirts don't need washing, do they, ladies? No, only dirty ones do. You will have no interest in discovering the answer to this question, how can I stay clean in a dirty world, if you cannot and will not admit that you have sinned and that your heart is dirty and is in need of divine cleansing and forgiveness. No matter what language you may speak here this morning or how many languages you may speak, the hardest words in any language to say is, I have sinned. I am wrong. I have Sin, not blame shifting, not excuse making, simply saying these are the hardest words for me to say to others. They're the hardest words for me to say to God, I am wrong. You say, oh, yeah. oh I, I, I know I'm wrong. I, that's easy for me. I don't know why you have a problem with that, Pastor Chris. Well, I'm talking about not in generalities. I'm talking about in specifics. So let me help you with this. How can you and I be cleansed from our sin in the past? Well, the answer is in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me give you... See, a lot of us... I, 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 don't, I think a lot of us have a misunderstanding of how to confess sin as Christians. Okay, And I'm going to give you three easy steps to evaluate how do I cleanse my past sin. First of all, you have to accept Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, then you're in your sin and you're under condemnation. But when you accept Jesus and there's no condemnation and your sins are forgiven, how do I ask forgiveness for specific sins? Let me give you help with this. Number one, agree with God about your sin. Agree with him that it's sin. The first thing you have to admit is, look, what God calls sin is sin. You don't talk about what the meaning of is is. Are you with me? 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? In other words, what God calls sin is sin, and God says if you lust for a person in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So we're not talking just overt acts. We're talking about heart sins. Agree with God about your sin, and, and, and it's humbling. And you basically come to God and say, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. What I'm seeing, what I'm listening to, what I'm thinking, what I'm wanting to do, what my desires are, are wrong. I agree with you that it's sin. That's the first step of confession. Number two, ask God to forgive you of that sin. Be specific. Don't say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, forgive me for surfing on websites that I shouldn't be surfing on. Lord, forgive me for looking at what I just looked at that I know is not honoring to you. Father, forgive me for filling my iPod with songs that have lustful, explicit lyrics. Father, I, uh, forgive me. For, and, and, and you just, you're specific. Name the sin. It's humbling, but it's freeing. So you first agree that it's sin. You agree with God. Then you ask God to forgive you. And then number three, this is the part that I think a lot of Christians forget to do, accept God's forgiveness in Christ by faith and be grateful. See, this is the thing. You know, see, as Christians, you don't have to say, God, forgive me. I hope you do. No, you say, God, forgive me. It was sin. I name it. And then I thank you. I receive that forgiveness that has already been paid for in Jesus Christ. I know you've already forgiven it, but it's broken fellowship with you. And I want to renew that fellowship. And I want a heart like yours. And I want my heart to be cleansed. Cleanse me now. And I accept that cleansing because 1 John 1, 9 says that you are faithful to forgive me of my sin and you will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Don't ever confess sin without also thanking Jesus for the forgiveness that you immediately receive. Okay? So that's the first step. Admit that your heart is dirty. Admit that you have sinned. But, and that's, that takes care of the past. But what about the present? What about all the, you know, I, I can get forgiven of the past, but right now I'm tempted. And I guarantee you that most of us are going to be tempted sometime before we go to bed tonight. How do I deal with that? Number two, submit your heart to the Lord. Submit your heart to the Lord. After you admit that your heart is dirty and get it cleansed by confession, submit your heart to the Lord. Look at verses 9 and 10. This is, these are beautiful verses. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Now, some versions of the Bible go on a step beyond translation and interpret this first phrase of taking heed by living according to your word. And that's good, and it's a general idea. But the idea here is not just external obedience. It's talking about internal submission of your heart. We've already seen that God's way of cleansing is internal and begins with the heart. The psalmist is being very precise, and he's telling us that the secret to living clean life is to submit your heart, your whole heart, to the Lord and to seek Him with your whole heart. 
You see, we're not talking about keeping rules. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about going through a set ritual or hearing from another man that you're forgiven and cleansed. We're talking about surrendering and submitting your whole life and heart from the inside out. Basically, he's saying this in, the, in, in 9 and 10. Pay attention to your way, your attitude, your lifestyle. Make sure that it conforms to the absolute standards of God's Word. The secret to cleansing your life of habitual sin is submission to God's standard revealed in this book. Listen, it is sexual immorality and pornography is sexually, it's addicting. It is addicting. And once you get into that power and that habitual viewing, that habitual listening, you are in a vice grip that it is impossible humanly to break free from. And there are all sorts of mechanisms and, and therapies that can help, but it begins with this, Lord, I submit, I submit, I put myself under your word. Your standards are what I'm going to live by. Your savior is what I'm going to depend on. I submit and, and, and submission is a commitment to adjust my ways at whatever point they don't line up with God's ways. Submission is a willingness to change my way of life at whatever point it doesn't match up with God's word. So let me give you, uh, according to these, the, uh, verse 10, 9 and 10, three things that submission requires. Number one, a definite decision of my will. A definite decision. I am going to take heed to my heart according to your word, verse 9. I will adjust my attitudes and my lifestyle to your word. It's a choice you can make today that will impact the rest of your life. Do you hear me? A definite decision that you can make this morning that will determine the rest of your life. That's pretty cool. Number two, a decisive direction of my heart, a decisive direction. With my whole heart, I have sought you. I will set my whole heart on seeking a closer relationship with God. I will value, God, I'm going to seek you and having a right relationship with you more than pleasing and pleasuring myself sexually, mentally, physically. My greatest passion, my greatest pleasure, I'm going to make it pursuing you, a decisive direction. The, second most, the first most important decision you can may ever make in your life is will I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior? The second most important decision you can ever make in your life is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I will present myself a living sacrifice. I, I will present myself. And when I was 17... I made the first important decision right here, right here. And three months later, right here, I made that second most important decision. And because I believe that by God's grace and faith in His preached word that I made those decisions, God began a process of cleansing me, and I needed cleansing. Because I didn't make those decisions because I was holy. I made those decisions because I was a sinner who sinned. And in that process, God changed the direction and started a cleansing process that 
takes time, is still going on, but it was decisive. And you can do that this morning. Number three, a dependent desire, a dependent desire of my life. I love the last part of verse 10. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Listen, I'm going to ask God to keep me from straying and going back to my old sinful habits. Young people, most of you sitting here have come back from youth camp, and some of you were transparent and talked and said, look, I'm tired of going to camp and getting all fired up and then going back to my whole way of life. You take verse 10 this morning, and you say, oh, God, don't let me wander. Don't let me fall back. Don't let me stray. You see, this last part of verse 10 reveals the deceitful danger that always lurks beneath the surface of a heart that's submitting to God. And that is this, we have a tendency to drift. Notice it doesn't say, oh, uh, help my heart not to rebel. It says, oh, Lord, help my heart not to drift. You know what you, know what you have to do to drift? Do nothing. You just drift. Oh, God. Listen, we still have a sin nature as believers in Jesus Christ, and that sin nature pulls in the opposite ways of God. It resists the will of God. It does not want to read the Word of God. It does not want to stay pure. And if we don't depend on God to not let us wonder, we will drift. This is why you need to make a once-for-all decision and dedicate your entire life. It will help you from drifting. I still drift, but I don't drift far because there was a point in my life where I made a decision, Lord, I submit it all to you. I didn't have a clue at 17 what that meant. I didn't have a clue what temptations were facing me. I didn't understand how to eradicate myself out of sins that I was already in. All I knew was I'm going to take God at His word and I'm submitting it all to Him and He has helped me not to drift too far. Now how can I ever be clean of my past guilt? You got to, It's by confession. Admit that your heart is dirty and ask God to cleanse it. How can I be clean of present sin? It's by submission. Submit your heart to the Lord. But what about the future? What about when you leave here today? And what about the rest of your life? How can I cleanse my heart in the future? How can I increase my chances of resisting temptation before it comes my way? What is the secret to not having a wandering heart that strays off the right path into sin? The third and final way to stay clean in, in a dirty world is number three, Guard your heart with God's Word. Guard your heart with God's Word. And the rest of this, these nine, verses 9 through 16, will give us seven disciplines to delight in in order to stay clean in a dirty world. This is, a, this is no explanation now. This is pure practical application. But I'm telling you that what I'm about to say to you and if you read Psalm 119 with us for the next five days, listen, what I'm about to say and what you're going to read this week will mean nothing to you if you haven't first admit that your heart's dirty and take care of the past and then submit. And when you submit, you say, now that I've submitted, after I knelt here and submitted, what do I do? Well, it's taken me a lot of years and I didn't always know what I was supposed to Here's what you to do. Here's what you are to do. Number one. Read the Word. Read the Word. 
He says, take heed. How does a young man cleanse his way? How do we stay clean in a dirty word? It has to be done according to the word. You can't heed what you do not read. Can you say that with me? That kind of, and say it with an attitude. You cannot heed what you do not read. Take heed according to his word. How do I do it? I got to read it. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. It's simple. Many of you have it written in the flyleaf of your Bible, and it is true. It is true. Get into his word and stay in it. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody said this, The only way to keep a broken vessel full is keeping the faucet turned on. And you and I have broken hearts. You and I have sin-stained hearts that continually need the washing and renewal of God's Word. And it's about the amount of time that you get into the Word, and it's about the amount of the Word that gets into you. Are you with me? It's, it's not either or. You say, how much time should I spend in the Word? As much as you can. How much time should I spend in the Word? As much as you can. And I just will confess, and, and I bet you many of you can join me, we need to spend more. I need to spend more. You say, but Chris, this is your job. This is what, yeah, yeah, I'm t- preparing. I, I need to do it for my own heart. And it can be the preparing of a message. I apply all my message preparation to my own heart before I preach it. But the point is just getting into the Word. M- me reading the Summer and the Psalms has done more for me in the last few weeks of my spiritual life than preparing any of these messages because I'm letting it wash my heart. But the ultimate question is not, did you read the Bible? Not, did you get into the Bible? But did the Bible get into you? You say, how do I, how do, I do that? Number two, memorize the Word. Memorize the Word. Look at verse, seven, uh, verse 11, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. <coughs> Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we stay clean? How do we not sin? You've got to memorize God's word. Now, I realize that you probably are thinking right now it's time to get the lifeboats. It's time to shut down. Many of you have that sinking feeling. Say it with me. I just can't memorize. But you can. You have all sorts of addresses, dates, phone numbers, sports statistics memorized. What's the difference? The difference is motivation and repetition. That which you're motivated to remember, you will. Right? And I know none of us remember phone numbers anymore. Smartphones, right? But we remember other stuff. And it's repetition. Submit your heart to Jesus. Fall in love with him as your first love. And watch your motivation grow to memorize. Begin to spend regular time in God's word. Listen, the the easiest way to memorize is just read things over and over and over. Let me give you a couple things that I have done and do to memorize. That is, I call it the shower method. If I want to memorize God's word, I stick it up in my shower. I'm there every day. And I, I look at a blank wall or I look at scripture. And I don't put a lot of effort into memorizing, I just read it every day. And if I read it every day for a couple weeks, for a couple months, eventually I get it. And while I'm reading and reading and reading, I am meditating and it's entering into my heart. You know there's an app for that? There's an app for memorizing God's Word? Write this down, Fighterverse, Fighter app, Fighterverse. Look it up, you'll find it. There's an app that will help you to memorize God's Word. Now, one of the best ways to hide God's Word in your heart is simply to become a student of the Word. Number three, learn the Word. 
Learn the word. Look at verse 12. <coughs> Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. We have, a, we have great teaching and preaching at this church. We are a Bible preaching church, a Bible teaching church, and you can learn God's word here. But let me give you a big clue on how to learn. You got to be here. You got to be here. You can't learn the great truths of God's word without being under it and listening to it. And then once you're here, come with a teachable heart. Ask God what the psalmist just said. Pray this verse. Memorize it and then pray it. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Do you realize that's why we have a discovery hour for all ages? Uh, you, know, I, you know, really, 1045, good time to come. 930, even better. Because you'll be here for 1045. Are you with me on that? What do we do? Why, come an hour early. Why do I want to come an hour? It's called discovery hour. We're discovering new truths. We can go deeper. We can go. And you can bring your whole family. And from the nursery all the way through to uh, seniors, you can be taught and learn the truths of God's Word. And listen, in a day when we're so saturated, we need more of teaching, not less. Now, you say... Uh, Someone might say this, I can't begin to remember all the things I learned from God's Word. Well, that's okay, because a sieve, you know, a strainer, a sieve, does not hold much water that goes through it, but it sure does keep it clean. Are you with me? You say, man, my heart's a sieve, my mind's a sieve, I can't remember all the good stuff I, I heard. That's okay. Every time the water, the Word is taught and you're learning it, it's washing you, it's washing you, it's washing you. And by the way, that's why we have grow groups, so that you can take what you learn in Discovery Hour and you can take what you learn in the preaching service and you can get into a smaller group and apply what you've learned. See, all these things are for a purpose, but you have to participate. You have to come there to learn. Now, learning the Word means we have a responsibility to share the Word, and that's number four. We see this in verse 13, share the Word. Notice what verse 13 says. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. See, first he said, teach them to me, and then I'll share them with others. We've never really learned anything until you're willing to share it with others. Now, this is where Facebook comes in. Facebook, you can share a lot of things, and I, and I, and I probably share a lot of things. I know I do. I mean, it's great, you know, I, I can share pictures of ribs from Oklahoma Joe's. I can share, you know, a lot of things. But one of the things I do share is what God's teaching me in His Word. I'm not talking about sharing someone else's quote. I'm not talking about sharing what everybody else is passing around. I'm talking about, I read God's Word this morning, this blessed me, and I want to share it with others, and now I've got technology to do it. Sharing God's Word. Nothing will motivate you to stay clean than seeking to evangelize the lost. Nothing will motivate you to stay clean more than trying to disciple your kids. Nothing will motivate you to stay clean more than looking another man in the eye, if you're a man, another woman in the eye, and saying, I want to impart God's word to you. And, and immediately the Holy Spirit says, what are, what are you applying? What are you learning? One of the reasons I am always, always, Investing in another man is so it, it's it's selfish, so that I will stay clean. 
How can I stay clean in the future? Guard your heart. Read it, memorize it, learn it, share it. But you say, Chris, I don't have time. Number five, prioritize the word. You say, I don't have time. Prioritize the word. Look at verse 14. This is going to hurt. Let's say, ouch. Ouch. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. It's the most valuable thing to me. It's the highest priority, and I will sell everything to do it. What's your price this morning? What's your price? And I'm asking this of myself. What's your price? What would the devil have to offer you to de detour you from what ought to be the first priority in your life? Reading, memorizing, learning, and sharing God's word. What are you valuing more than being in the word of God? What are you and I valuing more than being here to learn the word of God? What are we valuing more than sharing the word of God with the lost? We will never stay clean in this dirty world until we prioritize the word and rejoice in it as much as a million dollars. Now, only when you prioritize can you do number six, contemplate the word. Contemplate. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. As you begin to share the word and as you make it a priority in your life, you will be constantly challenged to reflect on it, what it says and how it applies. You know how I, de you know how I developed this message? I developed this message decades ago by memorizing and meditating this portion of Scripture. And God showed me through my own contemplation of His word, this message, and I wanted then to share it. And I have continued to share it. It comes as a result of being in your word. Now, here's the good news. If you delight in one through six, then you can do number seven. Remember the word when tempted. Remember the word. Look at verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. Listen, delight yourself in these disciplines. This isn't a burden I'm placing on you. This isn't something that God's saying, oh, you've got to do to measure up to please me. God's saying, I've given you a heart, if you're a believer this morning, to delight in my word. Now, discipline yourself. Delight in it. I will never forget your word. Delighting yourself in these seven disciplines and you will guard your heart from strain, and you will stay clean in this dirty word, world. Now, here's what God's saying to us as we close this message. Here's what God is saying to us. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. You say, Chris, how do I do it? Submission by submission. Admit that your heart is dirty this morning and let God deal with that past guilt. Just, just confess it, agree with Him, ask Him, and then accept it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, submit your heart right now to Jesus for salvation. If you don't know Jesus and, and you're trying to figure out why you're still sinning, that's why. If you don't know Jesus and you don't desire God's Word, that's why accept Jesus as your Savior. But if you've already accepted Him, surrender your heart totally to Him. Do what I did. Come here in the invitation and come and move your body out of a pew and kneel down to show as an act that my whole life is here. It's yours, God. It's yours. And I'm not looking back. Oh, don't let me wonder from your 
word. And then guard your heart for the future. I want to challenge you this morning. What one of these disciplines would you commit to to start doing? What one of these disciplines would you start committing to, to pursuing? And men, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you young men, and I'm going to ask you men and leaders of homes to do something a little different of get up and kneel down and say, I will stand for purity in my life and in my family and for this church. Can we do that this morning? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. And as the praise team comes, I am passionate this morning because we are at a crisis. The filth of this world is eating God's people alive. But Jesus can forgive anything. And he wants to forgive you. So I'm just going to ask, as, as, as these guys sing, as they play, I'm going to ask young men, older men, I'm just going to ask the men that are here this morning to step forward. And you come and you kneel and you do business with God. Let's, let's, let's do it.